and welcome to the Faith and Sustainability Podcast. I am your host, Leonard Robinson. This podcast is a project of the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Atlanta, Laudato Si Initiative. On this podcast, we will go on a journey to explore the role of the Catholic Church and other faiths impact in sustainability. Experts, theologians, and thought leaders will share their opinions and perspectives as guests on the podcast. Sustainability focuses on meeting the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their needs. The concept of sustainability is composed of three pillars, social, environmental, and economic, also known as people, planet, and prosperity. This podcast is made possible with the generous funding and support from the Archbishop's Annual Appeal, Georgia Interfaith Power and Light, Rutherford Seidel, Jamie Lanier, the Baltimore Family Foundation, the Sustainable Environmental Management Company, St. Francis Services, and the time, treasure, and talent from several individuals. The Faith and Sustainability Podcast is coming to you from the Archdiocese of Atlanta Chancery in Smyrna, Georgia. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Faith and Sustainability Podcast. I've got an opening scripture from Genesis, the first chapter, the 27th and 28th verse. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. I think it's pretty appropriate scripture. Dominion meaning not to beat down on, but dominion, the Bible means to take care of. Stewards, we own nothing, we're taking care of things. Well, we've got a special guest on the Faith and Sustainability Podcast. We've got Commissioner Jerrica Richardson from District 2 of Cobb County. So welcome to the Faith and Sustainability Podcast. Hello, hello. Commissioner Jerrica Richardson represents the eastern part of Cobb County, which includes Smyrna, Vinings, East Cobb, Cumberland CID, and other parts of unincorporated Cobb County. Her platform is predicated on the idea that when we are connected, we can empathize and overcome any challenge. As a private citizen, Jerrica is a Georgia Tech graduate in biomedical engineering and works full-time as a program manager. She is also a small business owner and author. Again, welcome to the Faith and Sustainability Podcast. Glad to have you. My pleasure to be here. Let's get right to it. What does it mean to be a good steward of God's creation? Yeah, so honestly, when I think about it, because faith is very important to me personally, um, and when I, when I think about faith in general and how that can directly tie to sustainability, it's about relationship. And relationships, as we all know, they don't go in one direction. <laughs> and so when we think right. about sustainability, it's just that too. It's a relationship. It's a relationship that we have with our surroundings, with our environment, with um, all of the different other creatures that also share the environment as well, and making sure that not only we're able to live and thrive and appreciate what exists, but that our progeny are able to do so as well. Uh, so when I think about being a good steward, it's about staying true to each of those different components. It's having that relationship, um, it's understanding that relationship, and it's appreciating the relationship that the environment has with all other creatures as well. And, and that's important. So is it safe to say that faith impacts your perspective and your actions on sustainability, both personally, politically, and professionally? Yeah, I would say so. Um, it's, as I mentioned before, faith is really important to me. So it always boils down to that relationship and what are you doing to further that and engage it and, and understand it? Are you taking the time to 
to really um, not just use what's there, but understand what's available and appreciate it. Uh, and then, and how are we thinking holistically about the long-term ramifications of decisions that we make in today's world, and whether or not it's <laughs> this is going to sound really redundant, but are sustainability efforts sustainable? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have to make it sustainability sustainable, right? Absolutely. And that's not always the case. A lot of things that we look to do aren't always sustainable efforts because maybe it's less convenient or or what have you. And so when you're looking at mass scale change, you have to understand all of those relationships if you're going to make lasting change. Exactly, exactly. Okay, well, you know, I've read and kind of followed you for years, and you're doing some great things. Tell us some of the great things you're doing in Cobb County for sustainability. Yeah, so it's really establishing. What is that relationship? I think uh, just that first step is information. I know I like to think of uh, on the commission level, we have some jurisdiction, some influence jurisdiction over water, soil, and air. And... Uh, making sure that that information is transparent, that you know what kind of water you have, what what you're breathing in, <laughs> and, um, and and what you're growing your crops in, or where you're purchasing that from. If you're you're purchasing, if you're at an impl- you know the, the the point of sale um, interaction, but all of those things are, are where I'm focused on making sure that there's increased transparency around information, and then looking for ways to bring in innovative solutions. Um, and partners in order to help move the needle on that front. So, you know, recycling is a great example where it requires quite a bit of sacrifice in terms of um, behavioral patterns, and there also has to be a market to support that, which we know there are some issues on that front as well. Uh, But there are new technologies that need to be invested in to look at how do we repurpose materials in a way that makes sense, or how do we find further degradation on plastics for instance, so that we're not just having to, you know, find what what do we do with it? You can actually degrade it down to its primary um, chemical components. And so really leaning into that innovative approach as well so that we can look at those more sustainable sustainability efforts. <laughs> um, but I, I think there's a lot of room, like I said, to begin with, and that's that information piece. And that's really where a lot of my energy has been focused is in having the right conversations, making sure that sustainability advocates have the platform platform, the means and the access to get some of these programs off the table, just off to the races. And then, like I said, really finding, looking for financial resources to support some of those new innovative opportunities. Well, speaking of uh, that, does Cobb County work with faith, you know, faith communities and sustainability? In general, I wouldn't say that there is some formalized MOU sitting in the books. That'll be coming to you next week. (laughs) Um, But there certainly are uh, efforts that are done in conjunction, um, you know, as far as relationships with Adopt a Mile and and, and, and parishioners for, for, you know, at some of the locations. There, There are all types of different ways in which volunteerism efforts have been engaged in order to move the needle. And I know I... My office is certainly engaged with with this organization as well to, to have uh, be on the forefront to help lead, understand some of the initiatives that are a priority with the archdiocese. Okay. Um, so I appreciate you and, and that effort as well. But um, 
I, like I said, there's not a formalized MOU, but there certainly are different opportunities that are available to all residents because we are public. <laughs> we are serving the public. I, but I do think that there is an opportunity to have more intentional um, focus considering the, steward, the stewardship. It, it's, it's, a, it's a mission call. Can you identify some of the resources that would be available for uh, faith-based and nonprofit organizations nationally, statewide, or locally? I mean, Google Sustainability, there are all types of different efforts and grants and uh, bills that are that are on the horizon with that. I know there's some very interesting work happening with nuclear energy if you really want to push the envelope. Um, <laughs> but there is... Uh, I think as far as some direct opportunities, uh, I mentioned, you know, like Adopt a Mile and Keep Cobb Beautiful, serving on some of the boards. And I know in my office, we have a cabinet member that's specifically dedicated to sustainability and bringing those projects to fruition. We're working on a water access, free water for everybody um, program and what that could look like right now. There, And we have the Sustainability Awards event that we're looking to do, which will help accelerate um, some of those investments and the awareness, almost like a trade show style um, effort for all of our thought leaders around the world to convene right here in Georgia to have a great conversation and um, actually hold ourselves account to um, some some specific goals that they can come around to. So I think um, as far as resources are concerned, like I said, my office is a direct contact. You've got uh, oh, you very... are the you are the resource. <laughs> <laughs> Not the only. I was just, that was just one of the items on the list. Um, but like I said, our, our the office waste sustainability. We we just put in the sustainability um, chief sustainability officer. So Kim now has that title in the county. She is passionate. She is world traveled. She is brilliant um, and diligent, especially when it comes to the Keep Cobb Beautiful components and um, and helping bring some of those new initiatives here. So those are also opportunities to be able to partner with us on. You know, I will get a hold of Kim, uh, uh, Kimberly White, right? Yes. I'll get a hold of her and talk with her. But, you know, I, I like some of the things that we, I think during the... Um, pandemic you went around virtually and talked to different segments absolutely and we were on this segment you had uh me you had cat i think you had susan and brian and everything yep. what did you glean out of, as you went around and talked to people virtually what did you glean out of that oh we put together an entire list there are about 80 different things that we can do in order to expand access to information, transparency, and initiatives. And so that is something that I'm looking to formalize. Um, we had the we actually had all of the 80 things out on tables, and community came in and voted on the things that they thought were really important. Um, and so now it's just compiling what rose to the top, and that will be what I recommend is our um, Basically, it's a it's like a conservation promise um, to be able to put those things. I think an example would be you know real time air quality monitoring, real time water quality monitoring. We actually just tied up a capstone event uh, where we're working on building a new grant with the Department of Energy to see if we can get a new device that would actually collect real time samples of water so that you don't have to do the individual sampling around coal ash ponds. Okay. So all types of really great opportunities for us on the horizon. Um, but certainly, you know, I'm just kind of thinking through or referring to those resources. There are some different grants that are both available and new ones that can be created. And, and again, um, this, this, you know, presidential and state administration has included nonprofits and faith organizations. So that's, that, that's really exciting. But talk to me about environmental justice and environmental equity. Yeah, I mean, we share one rock, right? 
<laughs> it's a beautiful rock. Um, and but, but but we have different experiences on this rock, uh, different exposures, and many times it puts uh, it puts certain communities at, at different types of risks. And if we don't understand those risks, then we're we're kind of behind the eight ball when a big problem happens. Um, an example could be Flint, Michigan, right? Right. It's not a problem or it's not a cognizant problem until there's some major breakdown. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it's like, wait, why Why didn't we fix this? Yes, yes. And it's like, oh, this is a little too late. We're behind the eight ball. Mm-hmm. And so by being equitable, all that means is that you're considering the differences between communities. And if you can consider the differences, then you can anticipate where the problems might be. That's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and then you can invest accordingly. So, um, you know, I always like to say my, my version of DEI is discuss, empower, and invest. Mm-hmm. Right? You discuss to better understand, you empower so that people can actually express themselves fully to whatever that means. And then you invest in order to try to deal with whatever issue exists. And another example I give to illustrate that is uh, perhaps you have um, a, a single pot of money and you know that you need to build the sidewalk. However, to build the sidewalk by the mountain, you've got to cut through the mountain and it's going to cost some, it's going to cost a lot to just get rid of the terrain. But then you have another community where everything's flat and doesn't have the same cost. So do you really want to just cut that bucket in half and you have a part, a, only a portion of the sidewalk in one place and a full sidewalk in the other place? Or do you look at the actual cost of the project and you build the sidewalk? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it, it just makes sense that you want to complete the sidewalk. And, and a lot of what I think it boils down to is what are we measuring, right? So equitable environment, uh, having an... Uh, having environmental equity, what are we measuring? Are we measuring how many sidewalks we completed? Are we measuring how much money got put in each community? Only one of those is beneficial. Right, 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 right. measure what matters. (laughs) (laughs) And that's good because, you know, the difference between equality, equality means everybody starts out at the same, but equity means everybody ends up at the same time. And some people need assistance. Some people need more assistance. Some people need no assistance at all. And people tend to get those terms mixed up. And I know during your, during your, I call it the uh, uh, pandemic tour, uh, virtually, you talked about environmental justice. And that's good because we, we, we tend to focus on air and water and energy, but we forget about the people. And then especially the communities that are impacted the most by pollution. You know, uh, Cancer people, is a great example. Example. Exactly. Now I want to hear your story. Uh, a couple things. You know, what, you know, did you wake up uh, one day or did, as a child, you say, I want to get into politics? Or did you, is this a gradual thing? Or how did you get to where you're at right now? It was 9 11 that, that propelled me into politics. I was about 12 years old at the time. And um, watching the Twin Towers fall mm. was in many ways a watershed moment, but it was almost like a watershed era in my life. Um, It made me ask a lot of questions. Um, I became very opinionated, (laughs) especially about international politics, um, and also saw how it impacted my friends. One of my closest friends in in middle school, uh, she is Muslim. And if you can recall, the kind of 
um, messaging that yes. took over the airwaves, um, I was slowly watching sixth graders treat each other the same way that people were acting or, or articulating on TV for whatever you know reasons on that front. I'm watching people treat each other differently. And that had an impact as well. So I just asked a bunch of questions because it didn't make, it didn't all add up. And then um, I kind of came to the conclusion that politicians can either cut red tape or create red tape as well. Um, I've I've seen the create part. (laughs) And uh, I I felt that, okay, if I'm going to be effective, I've got to be able to pull in politics into my day to day. I've got to stay informed and on top of things. I've got to build relationships. And I was in New Orleans at the time. Um, Around that same time, it was actually the day before I started middle school. There was this horrible thunderstorm. Okay, we get bad thunderstorms in New Orleans. Yes. And I, my dad was out of the country. I went to my mom because she was in the room, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to start middle school. We're, we're like, going to die tonight. And she looked at me. She said, shut up and go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and I woke up, and it was gorgeous outside. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful. And I was like, well, what happened between last night and this morning? And obviously, I'm still here, right? Yes. (laughs) Um, And so I started asking a bunch of questions about the weather, and I became a weather fanatic in in, in ways. So I either watched the Weather Channel or the news. That was my obsession growing up. Um, And by the time I was 16, I had done all these different projects and asked all these different questions about the weather that I had... um, I had stumbled across my own theory. And so I put together, I did my little project. I'm a, procre- I'm a horrible procrastinator, okay, <laughs> horrible. And I needed to turn in all of my um, references as a part of my science project while well, I waited until the day of. And I go into the class because I couldn't find anything that validated my research results, because of course I had made up my own project with my own controls and own variables and all the things. And so my teacher looks at me, she's like, well, I guess you can cite your previous (laughs) science (laughs) projects. And I came up with Hygra theory. Um, And knowing about the political connection that, well, I don't have a PhD, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm a 16 year old who tested this out with some tap water and cups and a microwave. Um, now, mind you, the R value was like zero, so it was great. But anyway, <laughs> um, it was very rudimentary tools there. I, I go to, um, I, I was like, well, perhaps if I can further this research, because if I can build a an invention based upon this, not only can I predict the weather with very, very high accuracy, we could also reduce the impact of carbon emissions. Right. And so... I wrote a letter to our senator and to our um, and to a congressman, and I said, "Hey, I need some help. I need some grant money, and I need some professors. I need to be able to test this somewhere, so I need a lab." And I also wrote a letter to the news, uh, saying, "Like, hey, I'm trying to get some attention on this. I can cut some red tape and 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 further this this information because this could be something that really impacts the world." Um, well, four days before Katrina hit. I was going to ask about where were you doing Hurricane Katrina? In New Orleans. <laughs> four days before Katrina hit, um, I get a call back from Congressman Jefferson. 
Well, my mother does. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm reading your daughter's letter. Very interesting. (laughs) Um, But I want to help her out. And we have some professors, and we're going to give her a lab in Tulane, and she'll be able to further this research, and we'll see what happens. But there's something she didn't ask for in that letter. She didn't ask for a patent attorney. She's going to need a patent attorney, too. And I'm excited because I'd also gotten a call from the news. So I went on the news, and I gave a whole interview. Wait, all this is when you were 16? Yes. Wow. I gave this whole interview about the research, and the anchor turned to me, Michael Hill. He's in New York now. But he turned to me. He said, why should we care about this? And I looked at the background. I said, you see all those buildings? I think we still want to keep them. I think all of those businesses still want to operate. I think that's why we care about it. And it was just amazing. I was at the height of what a high schooler could be imagining. You know, was, there was a whole lot going on in high school at this point. And then that weekend, Saturday, we're now two days before Katrina. I, I, I wake up, or, or no, I was, I, was, I was very tired. It was a full week. And I hear my father's voice. He yells, Jerrica, come here. So I go over to him. He's like, what's up? He says, what's going on in the Gulf? What's that? What do we need to do? And I said, give me a moment. So I go pull up my hygro maps, and I look at it, and I said, um, we got to go. We can't be here anymore. <laughs> They're like, what do you mean? Like, we got to go across the river. I said, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. We have to leave. I'm printing y'all's resumes because we won't be able to come back here. And we left for Atlanta. So that's what got you to Atlanta, uh, Georgia. That's what got me to Atlanta. Um, And that's what, like I said, I had the kind of definition of of politics. And my interaction, you know, ironically, was right through sustainability efforts um, and really just environmental efforts. And um, once I got here, uh, I'm going to tell you another secret, I guess. But well, there'll just be millions of people listening to the secret. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to break into the music industry ah. at the same time. Um, I love. I was. I'm trained in opera, and I like to sing and write and all the things. And so, um, didn't let go of that dream either. Because, yeah. Anyway, get here to Atlanta. Super active. What's something about Atlanta politicians? What's that? A lot of them are entertainment attorneys. <laughs> Ah, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so got a chance through community activism and through music, got a chance to be introduced to Atlanta politics, Georgia politics. And um, that's kind of the trajectory in in learning and, and building those different relationships with people. And you're just scratching the surface. You know, you talked about how your faith moved you. What do you personally do for sustainability, uh, you know, environmental protection, uh, energy conservation. What do you? What does Jerrica do when she gets home to uh, walk the walk? Yeah, I would say I'm probably I wouldn't be considered an early adopter on any curve. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm that good test for whether or not <laughs> it's mainstream. <laughs> ah. um, but no, personally, I just do what I can to keep my footprint very low. Okay. So the kind of products I use, you know, using my utility pencils where I can, you know, turning off the lights when I should. Um, It's just keeping my personal footprint as low as possible. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's kind of that piece, but, but certainly the work I do in the commission and in the more community activity, active roles, it is to help drive Mm -hmm. people like myself into 
a world that is a bit more conducive to be conserved. See, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. So now what I want you to do is we're coming to the section of the episode where I want you to give a call to action. So give us give us our marching orders. You've got all of Cobb County. You've got all of northern Georgia or maybe beyond. It could be another country. What's our marching orders? Get involved. The only way to. You've read it. I said it in here. When we are connected. Mm -hmm. We can empathize and overcome mm-hmm. any challenge. And I believe that because I know personally, individually, I've only seen, done, felt a small fraction of what there is to see, do, and feel. But collectively, we can understand so much. We can build deep bonds we can make sure that we are our brother's keeper. Doesn't mean that government solves everything. Just means that collectively as a community, we do. And being involved means getting involved with other organizations, with your neighbors, with other members of your community, and with your representatives as well. With the business leaders, with faith leaders, it's all the above. And. Um, that is the greatest call to action. It is the only way. There is no shortcut. No, there's not. You know, Pope Francis in his encyclical, Laudato Si, uh, that interconnectivity, he called it integral ecology. You know, where everything everything, and everybody is connected. So I think this, this has come full circle. Well, now that you've given us marching orders, give us your contact information so people all over can reach out or give them Megan's contact information <laughs> so people can call constantly and send 2 o'clock a.m. text and emails to her. <laughs> Whatever. Give us some contact information. Absolutely. So um, there are a couple of ways to contact me. Certainly my email address is, is very easy to use. It's jerrica.richardson at cobbcounty.org. Another way to reach me, so I have, I've designed a website just for constituents, d2cobb.com. D2 stands for District 2. Cobb is C-O-B-B, Cobb, d2cobb.com. You can actually find my calendar. It's open to the public. Anybody can schedule time with me, talk to me about what's important to you, to explain where you're coming from, help me better empathize with your perspective. Um... So that is an easy way to get in contact as well. And then certainly the cabinet. So tied to D2 Cobb, you know, we've got sustainability at D2Cobb.com. There's, okay. <laughs> it's right there. Um, but there are members for all of the different positions, including faith-based organizations. I have a seat dedicated to nonprofits in the faith-based community. There's a seat dedicated to mobility and transportation. There's a seat dedicated to entrepreneur, uh, economic development and entrepreneurship. A seat dedicated to housing and zoning. A seat dedicated to infrastructure. The list goes on and on and on and on. Sounds like a big table. There are 27. There are 27 members on the cabinet. And um, the idea of it is because I do represent 200,000 people. And one of the promises I made on the campaign trail was to make sure that everybody had a seat at the table. Well, even if I represented 2,000 people, I don't have a table that big, right? Mm -hmm. But my cabinet, they are each members of their respective areas of expertise or communities and they're there to help bring those voices to the table and so when we push policy or discuss policy they bring policies to the table on behalf of the community or their own area of expertise 
and then they debate collectively so that we can make sure that we're not creating undue harm to a specific community and that we're being holistic in how we're thinking about solutions. So I applaud them because those are volunteer positions. I appreciate them that they would give back in that way. Um, they are, like you said, many, many hands make light loads. Um, <laughs> that is what helps drive these things. And so as far as contact information, contacting me through the cabinet members is also an opportunity too. Well, sounds like you've got it well organized, a well oiled machine. At least it sounds that way. I know it can get a little hectic, you know, <laughs> because if I know uh, a lot of people in sustainability is conflict, some people say this is the answer, this is the answer. No, the answer is everything, you know, and some people say no, the answer is nothing. So I imagine hurting. Hurting these cats, sir, you can be a challenge. Yeah, I mean, and, and there is some flexibility there so that we don't necessarily all have to agree on what entrepreneurship is defined as, right, or sustainability is defined as. They can bring whatever project makes sense to bring to the cabinet. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. And I want to thank you so much for taking time out of a busy schedule full-time job and your advocacy and everything to come to the faith and sustainability podcast that's really really appreciated any any last words of wisdom any any parting uh, words you want to give before we sign off just appreciate you for the work you do i know how committed you are and you are all over the place sir <laughs> trying to make things happen and so hopefully you see me as a true partner and friend in the effort oh yeah see i'm blessed not only are you uh you know, elected official and you're professional, I can call you friend. That's the most important thing. So Jerrica, Commissioner Richardson, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. You've been listening to the Archdiocese of Atlanta Faith and Sustainability Podcast from the Chancery at the Archdiocese in beautiful Smyrna, Georgia. On behalf of those that make this podcast possible, I am your host, Leonard Robinson. Meet me next week on the corner of Faith and Sustainability. May the Lord be with you. The preceding podcast is a production of the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Atlanta. Copyright 2023.